Welcome to Business Chit Chat, a podcast from Headwaters RCD and Butte Local Development Corporation, or BLDC. I'm your host, Kayla Lappin, Director of Marketing and Business Recruitment. And on this episode, I spoke with Brigitte Miranda Freer. She's the director of the Montana World Trade Center. Yes, Montana has a World Trade Center. We spoke about how Montana World Trade Center can help your business import and export foreign direct investment. And I gotta tell you, you just might consider exporting goods after this episode. First things first, Headwaters and BLDC are local and regional nonprofit organizations focused on the economic vitality of Southwest Montana. We serve a seven county region that includes Anaconda Deer Lodge, Beaverhead, Butte Silver Bow, Granite, Jefferson, Madison, and Powell counties. On Business Chit Chat, we answer questions like, what's it take to run a business? How can your business secure grant funding or capital? When's the best time to invest? How does social media work? What about AI? Business Chit Chat is a podcast for entrepreneurs, business owners, and anyone interested in the story of economic vibrancy in Southwest Montana. Welcome everybody. This is Kayla Lappin with BLDC Headwaters on the Business Chit Chat podcast. And I have Brigitte from the Montana World Trade Center. She's their executive director and she's going to talk about all things, what it would be like to export a product out of Montana or maybe a service out of Montana. She's also going to talk to us a little bit about foreign direct investment. And yes, we have a World Trade Center in Montana. She's going to tell us all all things Montana World Trade Center. So before we jump into what Montana World Trade Center is, Brigitte, can you tell us a little bit about you and your background? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Kayla. I definitely appreciate the opportunity to message a little bit about our organization and just to see you again. It's been a while. So thank you. Uh, So me. Okay. How would I describe myself? I think of transplant evangelist for Montana. How's that maybe? Um, (laughs) I love it. (laughs) uh, So it was almost 30 years ago at this point that my young husband and I decided that we really wanted to live in a cool mountain town just for a while, just to say that we did that and then uh, moved back to our East Coast jobs. And so, yeah, that was about 30 years ago. And as you can tell, uh, that plan didn't work because once we landed in Montana, we decided that we absolutely wanted to make this our forever home. Totally. Most people, you can't, once you're here, it's very hard to leave. (laughs) I know, right? And and good for us. That's actually helpful in a lot of the work that we do. And we'll talk about that um, a little bit later, but we do have a really compelling uh, case for business and just a, just an emotionally compelling state that we get to live in, which I love. Um, so I guess just a tiny bit on the professional background front. Yes, I've been the executive director for the Trade Center almost 10 years at this point, which is shocking, probably far more to me than it's to you. <laughs> um, time flies. And also, I serve as director of operations for Montana Technology Enterprise Center, which is a tech incubator that's just a stone's throw across the river from UM uh, since 2018. And that's MWTC, Montana World Trade Center, oversees operations, uh, the real estate operations for Montech. So that's the tie there. Okay. And uh, yeah, one other plug for you and uh, your colleagues prior, just prior to coming into this role, I was working with Missoula Economic Partnership as their business development director. So I know a lot about what you do every day to try to make your community a great place. So kudos to you. Um, And then just work in the private sector uh, for companies that probably folks won't recognize anymore, but this is an example. I used to work for the company that made the club steering wheel lock, and that was not so much a thing in Montana, but it definitely was in, in big cities around the U.S. So, so yeah, that's me. Okay. Transplant evangelist. I love it. I love that as a title. <laughs> I So Brigitte and I actually connected on a bus ride in Washington, D.C. We were at Select USA and I was fascinated by her background and where you have been. Um, and then this idea of the Montana World Trade Center, funny thing internally here 
<laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to, I think I went to World Trade and Investment Day that you hosted on the 18th of May. Why I remember the date? I don't know, but it's sticking out in my brain. <laughs> and a couple of our colleagues were going to, were going to come and they were like, we get to go to New York. <laughs> Right. And I to quietly explain to them, no, uh, we have World Trade Center in the state of Montana. So can you tell us a little bit about the Montana World Trade Center, how it it does tie into yeah. the global network of World Trade Centers? Maybe kind of clear up for our listeners what that is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Montana World Trade Center or World Trade Center Montana technically is a member of the World Trade Centers Association. So this is an organization that believes in prosperity for all through trade and it's a global organization. There are about 300 World Trade Centers in 100 countries around the globe. Whoa. Montana World Trade Center's mission is very simply put just to grow Montana's international trade and investment portfolio. So we do that through three main buckets of work, uh, providing technical assistance to businesses that are endeavoring to engage in international trade. Sometimes that's on the export side. Sometimes that's on the import side, uh, helping them find a, a new source for product or, or a partner overseas. Um, second bucket is training related to international trade. And that's not a surprise because actually we are housed at the University of Montana. So we're embedded. My office right here is in the College of Business, but we do serve the entire state of Montana. So the trainings that we offer, we do around the state. Um, often we'll, well, particularly during recent years in the pandemic, we did a lot of webinars, but we do try to do in-person training around the state as well to really help businesses be more successful and more impactful in uh, building their business outside the United States. And a third bucket of work for us is that, well, how would I put it? We, we develop and then we execute statewide initiatives that we know will move the needle in a positive direction for Montana's international trade and investment portfolio. And, and maybe nobody's doing it yet, right? Maybe there's a gap there. So, you know, just one good example of that, since you referenced Select USA, which is our nation's foremost foreign direct investment summit, is the pioneering work that Montana World Trade Center has done and continues to do on bringing foreign direct investment into our state. And so um, we actually have a whole section on our website at MWTC.org that's uh, devoted to foreign direct investment. But really that work that we did centered on defining and refining and, and you know, speaking to a global audience about Montana's industry specific business case. We know we're good at a lot of things here. We know that ag and extractive industries are important economic drivers for our state. But, and, and a lot of people around the world know that, but they probably don't know that knowledge-based industries of many different kinds are thriving, you know, or growing organically here or choosing to site here and then thriving in our state. So really uh, taking uh, the time and the effort to develop collateral materials and messaging that speak to Montana's industry-specific business case is something that we're really proud of. And not only do we use them at our organization and the state uses them, but EDOs around the state that also participated in helping us to craft those messages use them pretty broadly too. Kayla, you, those might be familiar too. I think so from the Select USA yes. show. Yes, yeah. I've used them for sure. <laughs> right? They're great if you're trying to tell somebody quickly what they need to know about you know this industry in Montana. They're one pagers and they've been really well received. Yes, we've used them at our own meetings. You know, we've had a couple of companies coming over from Germany, looking at coming to Butte of all mm -hmm. places mm -hmm. and so helpful. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh, great. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, and in, in I, I think, did I answer the question well enough about how our World Trade Center is part of the World Trade Center's network? Does that kind of make sense then? Totally. It's okay. like from my understanding and obviously jump in here, Monta like you're representing Montana and all things Montana getting, you know, whether, like you said, export or import, helping train people, 
The third bucket being, you know, executing these initiatives to kind of grow foreign direct investment. I was curious when you were talking about that, and this is putting you on the spot, how, how much of it has grown since you've seen, um, you know, Montana World Trade Center initiatives kind of help. And you might not have a figure to it, but I would imagine that even it's like, and I don't love this term, but boots on the ground, you know, someone definitely dedicated to growing this work. Um, have you seen some, have you seen it increase? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So actually select USA puts out, um, numbers annually regarding the impact of foreign direct investment and how many jobs are supported by foreign direct investment uh, in a state. And they haven't put their numbers out for this year, but sure. I, I guess I'm I'm happy to report that it's been a steady net increase <laughs> and we haven't right. seen any significant departures. And and when we talk about foreign direct investment, I think maybe just to give a little bit of context a little bit more context for the the listeners um, that are out there. We talk about FDI. We talk about it in. It can either be green a greenfield development. So we've got a a company from outside the United States that would like to establish operations in the U.S. or expand operations in the United States, and. So they want to build their own facility, or uh, so. So that is one kind of foreign direct investment where they're coming in, they're they're bringing the capital to you know take down a piece of ground or a building and then grow their business there, right? Sure. And then the other kind of FDI that can occur is equity investment. Um, so that's where you know, and Montana has a lot of amazing startups. Um, I mean, the, the like the history of. Glaxo, what is now GlaxoSmithKline, um, is really kind of a, a success story that 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 speaks to Montana's ability to create and grow amazing startups and the attractiveness of our state for FDI. So, you know that what is now GSK started way back when. I mean, like. Uh, 50 plus years ago, and I'm going to get my dates kind of uh, mixed sure. up on this. With uh, I think it was Revi Immunichem at that time was a, pre a precursor, right? So this is a Montana-based scientist that has some success. Um, I think his principal area of focus in at the early stages was studying like Rocky Mountain spotted fever. Uh, Y'all can fact check me later on this. But in any case, this is a business that started and grew here based on a need here and expertise and intellectual capital that existed here in our state. And then it grew and it was acquired by another domestic firm. And then eventually uh, what started from those very humble beginnings and just trying to problem solve for something that was really a devastating disease at the time uh, became GlaxoSmithKline and GSK. Uh, is a UK best based firm. So that is an example of foreign direct investment. Um, so they acquired that firm. They came in, they built up much more substantial operations in our state. In fact, uh, I think within the last two years, GSK added, a, added another $100 million expansion to their existing manufacturing facility in Hamilton. So wow, I, I love that story and um, how it kind of illustrates why Montana is an interesting place for FDI. And even though it may not be the first place um, top of mind for folks outside the United States, they're trying to figure out where to site a location in the US. So it's really our job to tell them why it makes sense. And, and uh, anyway, totally. Yeah, so, yeah FDI uh, takes uh, can take a couple different shapes and I want to make sure that people understand that it's not just uh, an equity investment and it's also greenfield development that brings all those uh, that capital investment and hopefully lots more jobs and tax base with it. Totally. I think when you think about $100 million added over the last few years, you know what you were saying about GSK. I mean, that it's huge. It makes a, a pretty big dent in our economy here in Montana. And I love that the Montana World Trade Center is focused on helping bring more of that and that Montana can be this place for this little mom and pop shop company. It sounds like too. I mean, if you look on any of your cosmetics, you're going to see, I'm sure some of them have the GSK and not just cosmetics, but lotions, creams. Um, GlaxoSmith kind of is a huge company all around the world and how cool that it has Montana roots. 
Um, yeah, I mean, vaccine, their, um, their work on the vaccine front and, and specifically adjuvants that they prepare in this facility is, I mean, it has global reach. It has positively impacted people all over the world. So totally. good for them and good for Montana. Yes. Um, so thanks for clearing up foreign, foreign direct investment or FDI. I think when we hear these, we get really siloed in economic development and throwing these terms around. So I love that you touched on that. Well, yeah. And, and if you don't mind also, I just think it's really important to talk about it because I think particularly, um, a couple things. Montana, we frequently cite, or businesses in this state frequently cite lack of access to capital as one of their primary impediments to growth, right? Kayla, I bet you've heard that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And experienced it. Yeah. Yes. Especially women own business in Montana. Sure. I mean, and it is a very frequently cited issue and whether you're talking micro businesses or businesses that are trying to grow right and and maybe commercialize technology that has a pretty long runway and it it's it requires more funding and frankly um team member expertise then you can you know maybe you can't necessarily find it all here right so i do think it's just really important to recognize the fact that this is another pathway to bringing in capital that can help to grow and scale our companies, our job creating companies in the state. Um, and that, it, you know, it, it's good to be able to have this other pathway. Um, totally. I, th I don't think that I've thought about it in those terms necessarily, Brigitta. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not just money. It's, it's in, in many cases, it's a expertise too. I mean, I, again, good at so many things in, in Montana and in the United States, you know, we're on the cutting edge of, of, of much technological development, but you know what, there are other places in the world that have very specific and maybe industry specific expertise, and this is their niche. And, you know, if they can add value and help our companies to scale in our state, that, that's a win-win. Totally. So I heard you say in there, we're talking about greenfield development. Mm -hmm. Greenfield being brand new business, looking to, when I say brand new, I mean brand new to Montana, right? <laughs> They're right. probably already well-established overseas. Um, and then you were talking about that equity investment. I'm just thinking, I'm a Montana-based business. What does that look like? How can a Montana-based business prepare for something like that? Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because it reminds me that I didn't close the loop when I started talking about select USA stats. Oh, there the we equity, go. Um, well, the equity investment piece is not easy to track. That is not sort of public disclosure information in many cases. Sure. And a lot of those placements are private, whereas the greenfield development projects are a lot easier to track. So um, that makes what sense. does it look like? Okay. Well, I think what it looks like is if you're a Montana-based company that is wanting to scale, that is trying to scale, then I think whether it's foreign direct investment or money that you might be pursuing from other, uh, you know, in, in potential investors that are domestically based, you have to prepare in the same manner, right? You have to, dem you know, so that is not different. And I do want to make sure that our listeners understand that, you know, our organization is not, you know, pointing inbound investors to investment opportunities. That would be a that would be a, a big no-no. And we are not doing that. What we are doing is showcasing the kinds of firms that exist in our state that may very well be interesting um, targets for foreign direct investment acquisition and then potential growth in our state. And really making sure that if that kind of um, investment is made, that those companies know full well why they need to be staying in this state and what those advantages are specifically. Again, those industry-specific advantages of siting in our state. So I guess, I mean, that's a very long answer to your short question, but I mean, they need to prepare the same way, Kayla. They, they sure. need to have a viable business that is suitable 
um, for acquisition or an, or, or an equity investment. I, I wouldn't say anything different than any VC would say on that front. So I think even just clearing that up, I think what happens for, and not all businesses, obviously, but you hear the word foreign and all of a sudden these green, like these flags go up and you're like, I don't know. Yeah. Trade laws and there's laws involved and there's export taxes and it just sounds like it's too much work. But what I love in the events that I have attended with Montana World Trade Center is the clarity that you are able to shed, like the light that you're able to shed on the whole process and and provide you know that help for what that might look like going yeah. forward. So I think even just for a business to hear like, oh, <laughs> it's the same as is pre- preparing for you know a domestic investment. Okay, I can do that. Um, right, breaks down that barrier a little bit. Um, let's talk a little bit about importing and exporting and the role. I mean, you mentioned that a little bit when we were talking about what the Montana World Trade Center does. Um, and I attended the World Trade and Investment Day, and we talked a lot that day about import export. I think what as one of the questions I had that day was when is a good time, like as a business to start thinking about when to export? And I think this is a trick question, <laughs> but what are your thoughts on, okay, I'm a business. I'm thinking about exporting a product. What as a Montana world trade center, what would you recommend someone do in this position? Yeah. Good question. And I'm so glad to hear that some of the training that you had um, really kind of helped you a little bit to get your head around it. Um, I was new to economic development just over a year ago. So I've had the learning curve for me has been pretty, pretty steep. But you the Montana World Trade Center has really helped helped me out personally even. Oh, great. Well, and also side note, you're crushing it. So good job so far. But um, so, yeah, so you know, how, do, how does a business decide it's ready to export or, you know, that that might be a good idea? Um, so I think maybe you got to look at it on on two fronts. Um, first, I, I guess you look at your products export potential and then you look at your firm's readiness, right? Um, so just on the product front, I'll tackle that first, I guess, because it's a little shorter answer. But, you know, if your company is successful in the U.S., chances are it could probably find success marketing its products or services abroad, especially where there are similar needs and similar conditions in other countries. Um, you know, of course, it helps you to have a unique selling proposition or, you, you know, features that are valued by your customers. These things are important. They're important, important domestically and internationally. So take a look at your product and, and service and, and, you know, understand that or, or, or make a determination on that front. Um, and since you mentioned it also, Kayla, yeah, there are some products and services that actually do require export licensing and that's not something you want to mess up. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, right. So if if a firm ever has questions on that front, really happy to to just, uh, jump in and, and give some preliminary feedback, um, after a brief kind of consultation with the, a company. Um, it's premium we do all the time at Montana World Trade Center. Um, let me talk a little bit about the how do you know if your firm is ready? Sure. Please. I mean, I think you really have to have an internal assessment, right? I mean, think about what, what does your company want to gain from exporting? I mean, if you're telling me that, you know, well, our company has all this stuff that isn't selling in the U.S., and so we want to dump it overseas. I'm going to tell you that might not be the best reason to get into this game, which is is certainly uh, time-consuming. And you want it to be strategic so that it really can maximize the positive um, uh, impact for your company. So. Um, is exporting, you know, do you have uh, additional capacity, right? I mean, if you're successful in securing export sales, are you going to be able to fill them? Sure. Um, you know, does your product, and kind of getting back a little bit to the product front, you know, is your product going to require a lot of modifications to be sold in another company? And if, if that's the case, the reason I bring that up is because, you know, there's an expense to it um, and there's time that it will take. So you really just, you, you know, you, even asking questions about um, kind of doing some asset mapping within your company to determine, okay, w- 
what skills and um, do we have in-house that will be helpful in this effort? So it's even kind of asking, doing an internal assessment to find out, okay, do we have somebody that, do we have a Spanish speaker in the office? Uh, do we have someone, you know, that, that can help us if we are looking at, you know, selling our product and service into Mexico? This might be a, a helpful sure. asset to have, right? So it's a process of evaluating your company's capabilities currently and your capacity to ramp those up to serve international customers. And frankly, before you even get to serving those customers, finding them, right? And developing sure. those relationships. Um, so the good, there are a lot of different steps to take, but the good news, Kayla, even though I kind of jumped around and, and yeah. talking about different things to consider or criteria to consider, it, Montana World Trade Center, we do often work with companies to just go through and do an export readiness assessment and then even help them to determine where in the world might be a great starting place for them to try to sell their product and service. Or if they know where they want to go and they just want specific information on a certain country, we can certainly jump in and just essentially work as an extension of that uh, business development team or that that's a marketing or research team that's dedicated specifically to international, right? Because it takes time to, to, totally. to compile all this meaning, uh, this information into something that is uh, meaningful and actionable for a firm. Does that help? Oh, that's totally helpful. I, I think when you think about, oh, an export readiness checklist, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what's even on that checklist? Some people might be really well-versed in it, but I think for a lot of the businesses, especially in the headwaters region, um, this might be something they've been considering, but I, I love that they can get all of these resources at Montana World Trade Center. It kind of just takes that guesswork out of what they're going to need. And I think when you get into a legal situation too, where you're like, okay, am I allowed to ship this overseas? Which country, what are the, what are the laws in the other country? It's just nice to have this, you know, third party kind of helping you out. Um, so yeah, thank you for helping clear some of, I think it's just demystifying the process because what I'm hearing most from you is actually that it's, basically the same as a domestic trade, except there's just a few things that to consider and, and you guys have it down to a science. So I think even just hearing that as a business owner is like, oh, <laughs> demons. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I would say that it's basically the same as a domestic trade, but I mean, you, if you're approaching this thoughtfully, right? And you're making sure that you're utilizing those third-party providers that, that can help you to answer those unknowns, right? Totally. Um, then yes, it is entirely doable, right? But, um, and not also, and I don't know if you're, we're planning to ask anything about this, but the other thing that we love to do and, and that companies should keep in mind that are exporters or soon to be exporters or wanting to be exporters or export curious <laughs> is that there are actually this is really interesting there are funding sources that are out there to help companies pay for some of this work that must occur in building relationships overseas so we work uh, in great partnership with Montana Department of Commerce and they have some federal dollars uh, that help companies to again pay for things like participation at a trade show or if they want to pay for foreign market research or certifications or things like that so it's really fantastic that our state you know has this resource available also and then one other thing really quick that i want to bring up in terms of um, resources that companies might not know e exist but are really important and in case you have any bankers listening out there the, the federal government actually does have some loan guarantee products that are exclusively designed to support exporting companies. Okay. So this, yeah, and, and they're nice because they essentially provide a higher loan guarantee. Some of them are 90 and depends on the business owner up to 100% loan guarantee for uh, international uh internationally related projects like export projects. So um, like the SBA has a suite of uh, 
like working cap, their working capital loan guarantee programs that are designed just specifically for exporting companies. And that can really be helpful in helping a firm to quickly ramp up and be able to service their uh, export orders. And uh, even XN Bank has some great programs. So just FYI, that's another interesting thing that people might not know. They might be familiar with SBDC programs, but they might not know that if they're an exporter, they get even more special treatment. That's, I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I was at the Montana Economic Developers Association Conference and Department of Commerce was there. They are, they have so many programs right now for, you know, export and um, everything related to, you know, international trade. And I, I feel like if more Montanans knew about them, they would take advantage of them. It's almost like it's been sitting there waiting. <laughs> right. Well, and I, I'm sure there's plenty of participation. I just think in our region, it's like, did you know that you can even get assistance for this financially? Yeah. So, well, Kayla, that's not a surprise to you because you're in economic development, right? So, you know that you can talk repeatedly and share the same pieces of information repeatedly about, you know, really, truly helpful programs or, hey, here's some money that you can get to help you do what you're trying to do. But honestly, um, until a business or an entrepreneur is ready to hear it, right, until they're like at that place in their growth trajectory where suddenly they think back and they grab that nugget of wisdom and they say, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I think there's an organization that can help me with this. Maybe MWTC can help or maybe Kayla who referenced this, right? So you got to say it often, repeatedly, and just wait until the timing is right and that light bulb goes off. Um, because folks are, I mean, they're busy running their businesses and it's hard for them to carve out time for more strategic thought and going after some of this support. So, yeah. That makes total sense. It's that support piece too. You got to be ready for it. I myself am a business owner and I don't have a product. I just have a service, but it's, it is that time piece. <laughs> okay. Yeah, when am I going to call it time? And then additionally, I think feeling that support of, okay, I'm going to have help doing this. I don't have to navigate these waters by myself or shell out a bunch of money to a lawyer to help me <laughs> navigate yeah. all of it. And I, and so all those lawyers out there who may be listening to, I want to make sure you know, too, at, we're not giving out legal advice. Uh, that's totally. another area that I don't want to be in uh, mercifully. <laughs> but I, I do think, to your point earlier, you know, a lot of businesses just want to be able to have a conversation with somebody that's like been in the trenches. I mean, I've been advising companies on this for 25 years. I had my own import-export firm for 15 years. Oh, wow. um, you know, so I've seen a lot and I've dealt with a lot and I've learned a lot. Some of it very expensively on my own dime. So I think those lessons and that knowledge that I've gained, I am very happy to share and convey with others because I want them to have the best and shortest possible path to success on the export front. And so I love uh, that. Yeah. This podcast and the work that we do at Headwaters and BLDC would simply not be possible without our premier members, Butte Auto Group, KXLF, Northwestern Energy, and St. James Intermountain Healthcare. Thanks for your support. That's amazing. We've talked a lot about exports. Can we touch a little bit on import? I, I remember yeah. I, you were saying, you know, there's help if you need help, like selecting a product for importing. Yeah. What does that process look like? Right. Uh, so often what happens on this front is that we'll... I guess maybe two buckets. First bucket is um, someone who's looking for a component part or a product that they are interested in sourcing overseas. So we do help them identify potential sources for that product um, outside the U.S. and, you know, definitely work with them to you know, try to find a source where it's a country where we have a free trade agreement, right? And so sure. it, it will be able to be landed in the United States at a rate um, that is allows that U.S.-based, you know, entity to incorporate it in their product offering and still be able to be, uh, get it, their, their product on the market at a price point that's desirable for their customers. Um, and the other very common kind of call uh, is one that I get where people say, hey, there are all these protections that are out there for exporters. Um, and what are the protections for importers so I can make sure that I get my merchandise in and um, 
I don't know this firm. And so, and what I would say to that is, yeah, there really aren't (laughs) great ones. I mean, not the same kind of programs that exist to support exporters. And that makes sense, right? I want our federal government and to be very supportive of helping Montana and U.S.-based exporters to sell their products successfully overseas. Sure. Um, so it, it is a little tricky, and I guess the longer answer is how to, on the how do I protect myself front is you protect yourself in, in a similar fashion to what you do on the export side, and that is making sure that you are finding the right partners, that you've done your due diligence on who they are, what other customers they serve, what products, you know, are they making? Sure. And that it's not just, um, it's not just something that like you're online and you click a button and you cross your fingers, right? Mm -hmm. There are ways where you can sort of triangulate information and find out about these firms that you might, um, need or want to be doing business with uh, to, to bring in some some product to help you here in your U.S. ops. So uh, we can help on that front, too. Again, just think of us as sort of that extension of your um, your sales and marketing arm that that's dealing specifically with international issues, international trade issues. And, and the import side is a piece of that. Totally. I, I can only imagine how fun the pandemic must have been. <laughs> to deal with some of the importing issues and And yeah it was um it was crazy um the the pandemic um i mean we're still quite i we're probably still dealing with a lot of that but i'm sure it's not as bad i mean to a great extent things have regulated at least on like moving containers around the world that got really crazy um I mean, it was a, a good and expensive learning lesson for, for some firms out there about why you have to use the correct INCO terms, uh, international commercial trade terms, when you're quoting your customer, because some of them um, use some INCO terms that uh, accidentally ended up where this, uh, you know, Montana or U.S.-based firms were responsible suddenly for a lot more charges than they thought they would be, because all of a sudden they're paying for containers that are sitting there at port and not on a vessel, or they're paying exorbitant fees for moving uh, cargo by air, Mm. because what, you know, might have cost a couple hundred dollars during the pandemic was costing 10x that because there weren't as many passenger airlines flying, and they also carry cargo. So it's, yeah, it was crazy. But mercifully, that is all, uh, it's pretty well calmed down by now. Yeah. That's something I've definitely never thought about. Oh my goodness. Um, is that something you can help? Like those terms in there, is that something you can help oh, people yeah. understand? Yep. Okay. Inco terms. And um, I mean, this is, I mean, these are terms that are designed to make, to lessen room for misinterpretation um, in international transactions, right? And and they're important. And it's surprising to me um how many firms uh, might not entirely know what they're signing up for if they're quoting a customer or agreeing to terms uh, with a certain ingo term that um, doesn't exactly match what they think they're getting into. So, yeah, can help. Absolutely. Totally. um, So, Kayla, we've done uh, ingo terms trainings before. Okay. um, And I don't have one scheduled in the next few months, but usually we'll have another one in the fall and uh, often in conjunction with our colleagues at WTC Denver, too. Oh, perfect. I love that you're bringing up the trainings too, because that's one of my next questions. You guys offer a ton of trainings. And then I was like, I went down the rabbit hole on the Montana World Trade Center website today. And it seems like the World Trade Centers in general have a lot of trainings. um, If you become a member um, and you can get an access, you get access to like a library. Is that something what I guess what trainings would do you have throughout the year that you would recommend the most? If, I guess for someone just yep. starting out, um, are they the same every year? Where can people learn about these trainings? Well, you can learn about them on our website anytime, which again is mwtc.org. And we've got an events section and, and you can even cruise back and look at some of our past events to know, to get a flavor for the kinds of programs that we put forth. Do we offer the same training every trainings every year? Um, the ones that we do in person in the state, no, we like to mix it up. Perfect. Um, 
But in partnership with WTC Denver, we often we do offer you know, like some basic trainings throughout the year that are repeating and similar. And the reason that we don't do those all or offer them all in person here in Montana every year is because we are a stake with, you know, 1.2 million people. A small subset of those people are, you know, business represent businesses and an even smaller set subset represent exporting businesses. So, I mean, trainings are most meaningful when that uh, the need for the information aligns with the timing um, and the people that are going to come and get, yeah, Kayla, I know you know what it's like to get butts in seats. So, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we could run all those every year and uh, be super confident that we'd have enough people but um that's why we do those those the basic training stuff largely online but i love that i mean i i think it's super important not just from the perspective of um, an organization that offers the trainings but as a participant in my life the trainings that i have gotten the most out of are the ones where i am learning not only from the expert but from my peers in the room Right. Those people that are in the trenches every day, you know, efforting to do something similar to what I'm doing. Right. So I just really, really try to make sure that whenever possible. And again, things did get tremendously uh, derailed during the pandemic, but they're definitely back on at this point. I just make try to make sure that whenever possible, we're offering some opportunities for in-person training that are really going to be helpful for um, the customers we serve. So like the last the training, the most recent one that we just did was a regulated export training that we did um, in Bozeman. And we also partnered with the Photonics Industry Alliance, which is now the Photonics and Quantum Alliance uh, in Bozeman to do that. Why? Well, because if we're talking about regulated exports or exports that will require some type of licensing uh, or likely require some type of licensing to exit the United States, uh, well, Photonics and optics firms are definitely in that bucket. So we we knew we'd have a critical mass of firms there that would have an interest. So we did have photonics and optics firms, but we also had a couple of biopharma firms in that room. And I think even one SAS firm and one um, firearms manufacturer in, in, that firm, in that room as well. So um, we'll do as a fall, and this is kind of a, a long segue to letting you know, in the spring, we're actually going to have a follow-up, uh, a follow-on I believe webinar series to that one. So we're going to do one a month um, drilling down a little bit more on regulated exports. So this is a pretty technical and wonky subset of exports. It's please, 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 your listeners keep in mind that certainly not every product or service leaving, leaving the United States requires a license. In fact, the vast majority do not, but You want to make sure that you're going through a process to understand as an exporter, all right, who am I selling this to? What are they using it for? And am I following all the rules and regulations that are required to get this export outside of the United States? Uh, So, you know, we think it's really important to do. And uh, we're going to have that follow up in the spring, one a month, uh, leave starting in February. So stay tuned on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing we have coming up, um, uh, well, our World Trade and Investment uh, Day, the one that you attended, thank you, by the way, that was great to have you there. Um, We'll do it again in May, and this year we're going to do it in Bozeman, and I'm really excited about this one because we're going to do it in conjunction with the Bacchus Institute, so... Okay. Uh, Ambassador Bacchus will be an important part of our agenda. And I think as part of what we're doing for for this day of learning, um, we'll have him engaged in a fireside chat with, um, I don't know, I can't, well, I'll, I'll let you know when I can tell you that we're aiming for top tier trade person to come in and, and talk with Max in that fireside chat setting. So we're pretty excited about it. So stay tuned. That'll be in May. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Like I said, I learned a ton at last year's event. I guess it was this year's event, but by then it'll be like, yeah. <laughs> um, and it was just a great introduction to all things trade. Yeah. 
Well, I'm glad you liked it. Um, so yeah, the best thing to do though, because I'm just rattling off things and not necessarily uh, in order with the time space continuum here, <laughs> check out our website at mwtc.org and we get things listed on our event page there. And you know, as they are available, we have them featured on our slider um, on the front screen as well. Perfect. Yeah, I love it. One thing I wanted to touch on before we let our listeners go is that the fact that you can become a member of the Montana oh, yeah. Center, what does that look like? And I bring it up because there are some pretty great benefits in here. And it's if you have very affordable levels at all levels. So you want to talk a little bit about what you get for being a member? Yeah, absolutely. Again, best place to find that information is is on our website. But our memberships range anywhere from a $300 um, entrepreneurship kind of membership to uh, a $500 gateway membership for firms instead of single individuals, and then all the way up to a trade activator membership, uh, which really helps to support our ongoing scope of work for the, the trade center, and that's $5,000. Um, you know, what do you get? Well, uh, since we just started with the training piece, you get access to, of course, all of our trainings, and we do a lot of great things like as a baseline, if you're a member, 30% off of all of our training fees, period. Wow. And then depending on the level of membership, we even can do two for one on the training front, which I think is is helpful for some firms. Um, you know, you have access to our trade services. So remember how we talked about having that sort of on-call extension of your research team or your you know, business dev or sales and marketing team that's dedicated to helping you crack those international markets? Well, that's us. Um, and so depending on the level of your membership, you can get some uh, free research that's included with that. So it ranges from four hours of free research, like a research project, uh, I think up to 10 hours, depending on the level of membership. Uh, business facilities. And this is something I'm working on, actually. So WTC complexes, they all typically have some type of office spaces or some of them even are you know, conference facilities and exhibition halls and other amenities that are really kind of tailored to, to meet the needs of international businesses. Sure. Um, I love that. And I certainly welcome any and all members of the Trade Center uh, when they happen to be in Missoula to feel free to come on in and essentially use our, our space for some, uh, some co-working or a convenient landing spot in Missoula but I do want to tell you that as part of my work on the Innovation Corridor Gateway Project, which is with my Montec hat on, we are envisioning a larger and more permanent home for Montana World Trade Center that will be as a proper part of an iconic gateway into our state and something that really speaks to our state's place in the global community, regardless of the size of our population. So I'm excited about that. And when that happens, that's going to mean much, much expanded business facilities for members, FYI. That's amazing. Yep. Um, I mean, just other things, you know, of course, ongoing um, kind of even kind of cultural exchange programs and, and opportunities um, to, to engage from people with people from outside the U.S. and we work quite a lot with consuls general, for example, that are um, responsible for understanding what's going on in this part of the United States and in our state. So we really like to work with those proactive CGs that that want to get beyond the numbers and the stats of Montana and understand on a much more granular level what's going on here. Right. And we love that. And we love to offer opportunities for our members to have um, kind of one on one engagement with those those inbound CGs and in round and even roundtable discussions. So there's a lot. Um, yeah, I'm probably rambling on. But if you want a, a full accounting of it, you can definitely find it just on the front page of our website. And uh, we would certainly welcome anybody listening to, to join the Trade Center. It really, that funding really helps us to carry out our scope of work throughout the year and, you know, to not have to just like sit back and be entirely dependent on 
trying to find federal dollars to help us do what we need to get done. I mean, it instead allows us to be agile. And if I know that we need to do a training on regulated export because our photonics and optics firms are crushing it and growing by leaps and bounds, I want to be able to do that. I want to have the funding, you know, to bring in that subject matter expert to pay to get over there for the venue, et cetera. Um, and I, I appreciate having that support from, uh, you know, firms and individuals from around the state as well, simply because I think it's important that we remain engaged with the international community. Um, it just is, it's just very important, I think, that we all benefit when we keep open pathways uh, to trade and investment globally. Totally. There's no way we could not benefit from that. I completely agree. Well, this has been very eye-opening for me and I hope for our listeners. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh boy. Uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground and if I'm not mistaken, we've talked for about twice as long as you normally do. So it's perfect. I, I guess I would just say, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. My name is Brigitta. I think I am literally the only Brigitta in our States, at least with that pronunciation. So I am not hard to find. Um, you can find me online at our website or through Kayla and uh, just encourage you all, if you have any questions, to reach out. Perfect. I will link the Montana World Trade Center uh, website in the co- in the show notes, as well as your contact information from the website. So perfect. I think this has been very helpful for our listeners to kind of understand all of the nuance that kind of comes with world trade and understanding some of the terms. So thank you so much, Brigitte, for giving us your time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Kayla. Take care. Yeah, thank you. This podcast is supported through Headwaters RCD and Butte Local Development Corporation. Did you know that Headwaters RCD is a 501c3 organization and you can make a donation to our organization at any time? BLDC also has a membership program, and if you're interested in becoming a member, go to bldc.net and click on Member Center. Did you know that between our two programs, we've served over 150 businesses in the last year? We also dispersed over $3.1 million in loan funds just in Butte alone. Headwaters and BLDC are excited to offer this podcast. You can also sponsor this podcast through an ad for your business for only $25 Per episode, your business can place an ad on this podcast and be featured. Email me at K-L-A-P-P-I-N at BLDC.net and I'll get you set up with an ad spot. All right, I'll catch you next time on Business Chit Chat.